Welcome to the Great Bass Tennis Podcast. This is Andy Fitzell, your co-host, alongside Steve Smith. This week is a Great Bass Review, filling you in on the happenings, and also a road trip review. A Episode road trip. 55. Yeah, 55. Double, double fives. Yeah, it was fun. Go back to Boca. Andy and I had a number of things to talk about. So one of the best ways to do that is go, hop, on, a, go on a road trip. Just hop in an Odyssey minivan. 2014, sit back, enjoy the turnpike. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, Boker Tone for me, that's my adopted hometown. Uh, upstate New York boy goes to Boker Tone. Got an airplane when I was 19 years old, almost 20. Didn't know one person, had a little money in my pocket. Actually flew to Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was told to go to Boca. It was 1974. And I got in one of those minivans to go from the Fort Lauderdale Airport to Boca. And the mission was that I was going to um, work nights, take yeah. the role of starving artist, hit some tennis balls. There's no, there's no more telephone booths around, but I was dropped off on the, the, the Deerfield Beach Boca Raton line. And <laughs> for me, that's where it started from, from, from a tennis yeah. standpoint, right next to the Camino Real, the Boca Raton Hotel and Club. If you've never been to Boca Raton, Florida... Just think about Tijuana, Mexico. It's almost the same. Very similar. I've been to Tijuana. Except not. Except with a little bit more money. Or a lot. Actually, for the longest time in my life, I thought the biggest contrast I'd ever nice area. Every experienced was going from San Diego to Tijuana. San Diego. But years ago, going from West Berlin to East Berlin. Yeah. That was pretty drastic. Yeah. Like one window. The, uh, and a house. So our listeners were in Orlando. We're five and a half miles from the USTA, the USTA National Campus, mm-hmm. Mecca of tennis, 100 tennis courts. Yeah. So it's only about two and a half hours down to Boca. Of course, yeah. when you think of Boca, Palm Beach County, that whole area from Miami to Palm Beach is just one big city. I think back when I was in Boca, those people know that area. Uh, Florida Atlantic was way west. Mm. Now it's way east. Yeah. And yeah, we went pretty far west. Goes and goes and goes. Um, but let's touch upon uh, our situation with Andy and Leo. Let's do that. His better half. Uh, it's great to have have you here for the time. Uh, it's been almost two years. I've known Andy for more than twenty. Um, but our goal of trying to improve tennis teaching. I would say that we've gone from being a snowflake to a snowball. More people know about the Great Base now. Mm-hmm. I have to thank you and Leo for that. We want to keep it going. But tell us about going back to Germany. Your beautiful wife is from Germany. Yeah, to make a long story short. Short story long. Yep. We're going back to Dusseldorf, Germany. My wife says that a lot more elegantly than I do. Dusseldorf, the way she says it. But yeah, we're going back to Dusseldorf, Germany. She's going to be back in the... Uh, company that she was working with prior to helping us out here or being here in Florida. And uh, yeah, I'm going to do some coaching. I'm going to work um, with Henry Squire, who's been in the Great Base family for a long time. You've worked with him since he was six, I believe. But he was playing recently at Wake Forest. And so he's now playing, playing professionally. And I'm going to help him out and his father, David Squire. And then, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, uh, That'll be my home base. So I'll still continue to do some things here with Great Base, but also do my own 
coaching and things there as well. With um, in Deutschland, I'm the matchmaker. Uh, ran a camp many years ago. We had 25 kids. David Squire was great to host it. Nice to host it for us. And uh, skill and opportunity meet. And that's where Andy <laughs> met his wife with Dusseldorf. Uh, it's not that far to get in the car and drive to Paris. Belgium's right there. Yeah. Holland's right there. I'm pretty close by. And I would say that, I mean, I mean, I always thought there was a lot of great tennis up in Hamburg. I spent a lot of time in Germany. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of really nice clubs in Dusseldorf area. Got um, a bunch. I mean, it feels like there's like 100 within a 50-mile radius. We're going to try it for sure. That's probably the wrong word. I'm always telling juniors, don't say, I'm trying. Try is a weak word. I'm trying. No, I'm trying. That's the way. That's that's another form of saying I'm crying. Or Yoda. We will. We will keep the podcast going. Um, Which means I'll continue to have no sleep. With It's no problem. No. I was just going to say, you know, Yoda, there is no try, only do. But you've never seen Star Wars. I mean, that's just... Uh, a little bit un-American. A little boring. Bore, not, boring individual. It's not. No, it's not boring. We just need to make that happen. Never been to a concert either. A real, real big concert. Is that for real? I uh, one time was scheduled to go listen to Men at Work. Oh, yeah. I come from a land down under. But I, and I've, knock you on wood, it. knock on wood, I go a long time without getting sick. But oh, uh, man. it's a little under the weather, so I didn't go listen to the band from down under. Well, on the way back from the road trip, not to jump ahead, but I popped in a little kneel and you were kind of half falling asleep. You know, it was late. And then you, after the first song was done, it was like out on the weekend, something like that. And you, you kind of, you go, that was nice. I like that song. (laughs) Jazz singer. You got to watch the movie. I know you're a movie buff. Have you seen jazz singer? Jazz singer. Neil Diamond. Oh, I don't think so. No, you're thinking you're listening to Neil Young. Yeah, not Neil Diamond. Neil Young. You said Neil Diamond. Real music. Yeah. Did you just have a senior moment? I know did I really say Neil Diamond? There's no way I did. I think you're just hearing that. You're getting close well, to five. We'll you're getting we'll close see. to five oh fits out. Oh my gosh. With right. uh you know, and for yeah. us, uh change. Change is good. We have a, a nice setup here, Happy Lane. But we've thought about it and wanna have a base. Definitely during the school year, the, the winter months, where the competition is. And we're in Boca, excuse me, we're up in Orlando. And again, I think the USTA, um, Kyle Lacroix. Mm-hmm. I, Kyle I, I, need, I need to take a lesson from Kyle and be more and more diplomatic. The USTA is doing great things, I mean, especially with events, but um, the, the tennis, I think eventually it will happen here. But there's no comparison between what's going on from a competitive standpoint in greater Orlando than it is in that Palm Beach County area. I think it back to Boca, but it's really, you know, that whole area. You can go from Pompano to Deerfield, uh, um, Boca, Del Rey, Boynton Beach. And then obviously, I mean, you get down that far south, you're really close to Miami. Um, Yeah. So, um, Happy Lane, one is we have, we set up a, a, a facility and we think it's a nice stage to launch, to produce free educational tennis content. Yeah. 
But with your work on social media, more people know about us and we're just inundated with the people who want to work with us. And then also because of the pandemic, so many kids um, are now used to homeschooling. We have a lot of people that want to come and spend more time with us. Yeah. So I think that we need to have an outlet where there's many, many uh, different options we have. It, it's not set in stone because right now we have to uh, organize and, and sell Happy Lane. But yeah. I think the real estate market for a number of reasons is uh as they say a hot market yeah we definitely rolled with the punches i mean the original plan was you know not exactly what happened but but we made it work and did some no, different I, di did some different things that then then planned and and some things didn't happen according to plan but yeah we're talking to some friends from northern cal today that it's like a tennis match you know you got to adapt you got to adjust adjust the friends from norcal is uh your wife came down and said hello and with, uh, it's been two summers, you know, with no European swing. You yeah. Know, um, for many, many years, I, I, almost 20 years, it was 20 consecutive summers going to uh, spend time in Europe. Mm -hmm. With, um, we also are looking at the possibility of a destination resort in the summer because we still want to have families come and spend time with us. And, you know, where they, they come in and what we would say is they learn the great base pathway or the curriculum mm -hmm. so change is good um but right now it's a matter of just organizing happy lane put it on the market yeah and um i think we'll in short order by the first of october be spending some weekends or most weekends down in uh south florida i think we could talk about uh we did pop into uh it, it not sure exactly what it's called. It's, it's a county facility in Palm Beach, but Rick Macy, it's the Rick Macy Tennis Center. So we popped out and, yeah. and uh, watched a UTR event. Uh, we've been sending players down to play in the UTR events. I ran into the Leem Draxel, Canadian. Uh, actually sent him a text, called him up, but just talked to him briefly. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell people I'm, uh, when I go to a tennis facility, I've been run into someone I know. Mm -hmm. I was with Jeff Lewis one time, and we went to 10 countries over the course of four months. And I said, Lewis, I'm pretty sure no matter where <laughs> we go, that's how small the tennis world is. Yeah. Yeah, we're in Slovenia. Where, wherever I one time was in Moscow, and this was in 1987. And um, what's the name of the gentleman with fuzzy elbows? Hamilton. Will, Will Hamilton, yeah. So Ian Hamilton. So Ian Hamilton was with Nike. Great personality, great guy. And I was endorsed by Nike. So I'm in Moscow, and um, my trip was endorsed by the ITF. It was when Doug McCurdy was with the ITF. And I can remember I took my tennis machine at the airport. Mm -hmm. um, not only did I have to take all my clothes off, true story, like a scene from a movie. <laughs> and um, A horror film. I, I'm in my skivvies there and and uh, they take copy tennis the russian authorities dressed in uniform soldiers they take the copy tennis part they put it back together um it really with, it with was a tracking device <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway um this was in 1987 and so i i'm told by my oldest brother who had spent a lot of time in hockey yeah. a lot of time in russia he said just call this number and just say the name of the hotel 
nothing else, <laughs> nothing by like high Nick yeah. to say the hotel name and they will find you. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and so a gentleman came by and he took me over, spoke very, very good English, took us, I went with a girlfriend at that time and a, a, a assistant pro and we, but what happened when they went through the um, border control, they didn't take all these magazines I had. So here's this hockey uh, agent, hockey manager, and you know, he just comes up to the hotel room. He has to dress like a Westerner and he can't let anybody know he's Russian because he's in this hotel with all the Westerners. Mm -hmm. And I talk about paranoia. I can remember um, he was so um, concerned about sneaking the magazines out of the hotel and no one's seeing him leaving with them and trying to find a way to do that, you know, tucking some, you know, in his pants and yeah. in his jacket, you know, in his sleeve. And, and it was quite a few magazines. Um, what year was this? I mean, 87. So, 87, yeah. so I take us to a tennis park and people are still playing with wooden rackets. And I just hear this Smith. I go, no, <laughs> Smith, Steve Smith. And it was Ian Hamilton. So you know, there was a crowd and we approach one another and he's with um, Phil Knight, yeah. the founder of Nike. <laughs> and he looks down and That's I'm wearing- good connection. And I'm, I'm wearing, you know, he introduces, introduces me to Phil and he goes, yeah, Steve's one of our Nike pros. And I am wearing Nike clothes, but he looks down at my shoes. And I had been given instructions by my brother not to do anything for exchange for, you know, Western products for, any rubles, so I, yeah. um, I gave my Nike shoes to this street entrepreneur, two of them actually, street and they took us, they, they took us all over, like <laughs> to the Moscow Zoo, excuse yeah. me, the Moscow Circus, which I'd seen in New York, but to see the Moscow Circus in Moscow, um, Gorky Park, and so, but anyway, Phil Knight looked down at my shoes, <laughs> and he was, look on his face. What did you have on, do you remember? They were old, be up here at Capas, a shoe that you had to tie twice. Oh man, I remember Capas. You could change out the little plastic things on the side, the little triangles. I remember those. So anyway, we uh, we go out to Rick Macy's and we I hear Liam Draxwell. Hey Steve. Yeah, Steve. Man, is he big now. You know, his dad, Brian, used to bring him to our tennis school. And I mean, his legs are like tree trunks. Strong, yeah. Um, we did a little film. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. Because uh, when we were at the NCAA's watching Liam, he got out to the semis. His father introduced to us to a friend who's, uh, I can't remember, I think it was a Cleveland Indians. He's a biomechanist for the Cleveland Indians. So I- Might have been the Cubs, actually. The Cubs? Yeah. Same Chicago, thing. Chicago, Chicago I'm, I'm just kidding, baseball fans, just kidding. <laughs> Same thing. Hey, yes. That makes me want to watch Major League. That's the Cleveland Indians, right? Yeah. With, but no, Liam. You got a name? You're going to settle for Veghead. Veghead. Charlie Sheen was in that, right? Yeah, he was Veghead. He was also in Ferris Bueller. Let's yeah. really get into the movies here. Yeah. So the elbow, he had the double pump. His elbow was yeah, too high, pulled it down. Polar. And now he's serving with abbreviated backswing. And it's uh, the speed of the backswing has nothing to do with the power supply. So he's serving better. He's still opening up. Um, 
he's always had a smile on his face. I mean, he used to, yeah. you know, didn't matter who he's playing, someone at a higher level, lower level. His, his, his father, Brian, he's, he always would play the juniors and just loved to, to battle. Um, but Macy's, we have to talk about Rick. I mean, I think that motivational signs, I, I certainly know my fair share of motivational quotes. Well, one thing real quick before Macy, I, what I like when we were talking to Liam, and he, he start, we started talking about UTRs a little bit, you know. And he was so relaxed about his UTR. You know, like, where's your UTR? And he was so just kind of nonchalant about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think, you know, it was crazy. Last year, I was playing all these UTRs, and my UTR went up to, like, 14.50 or something. 14, that's what he said. You know, he was just, but he was really relaxed about it. You just know he's not. He knew roughly what his UTR was, but, you know, you can just tell he. Yeah, he said he 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 had some cool about it. He was a 13.9. That's what he is now. But yeah, we have just the opposite. We're dealing with so many people that are just so uptight yeah, about, about their UTR. UTR. So, Fair yeah, enough, it, cool. it comes down to a, a college-bound student. Student-athlete is their three numbers. Uh, their GPA, SAT, UTR. Um, but I remember years ago when um, Rick Macy was at Greenleaf. Mm-hmm. I stayed at Greenleaf. And at that time, Rick had hired uh, a couple people that I had trained at this two-year school out in Texas. But I've learned some tricks over the trade and to be incognito. It's not to really, you know, be a spy, but it's okay. I only have a, I'm only going to have a few minutes popping in and out of the hotel, but I'll stay at Greenleaf um, because I was doing some things not too far away in Orlando. And it was, I remember it was pretty sad because um, he had spent a lot of time with Jennifer Capriati and, and she she was at the French Open playing, and she had moved on and was working with the USTA. But I can remember uh, it wasn't really the best time to go up and talk to him because he was, you know, just it was just Rick, the TV, and the French Open, and um, it was as obviously I, I was observing at a, a, a downtime. You know, you can go, you can you can go to a very active tennis school. Sometimes you, you just hit it on an off day. Mm. Um, but even then he started having the signs on, on the court. Then he, you know, he went to Pompano, then he was in Boca, but now to drive up and see, you know, they call it, it's a County facility, but such and such County out in, in uh, the West of Boca, um, you know, big sign with a USTA and home of Rick Macy. I mean, it is the signs. I mean, that were, it's, it's almost obscene. I mean, I, you know, again, I want I mean, I read Rick's book. Uh, I'm gonna say a thousand signs. Macy's Macy's magic. There's a thousand, and um, great more. great passion. And he's, yeah. you know, I've read where he's doing. Uh, I talked to a friend of his, a mutual friend, um, with that they are doing grassroots level tennis, and they're doing, you know, it, it's a county facility, public facility, the spirit of the public doing things for underserved, under underprivileged. Uh, children, but you know when we were there, it was he—he he was the only one teaching, you know, and it was Rick one-on-one, and lots of energy. Um, was the one uh, shut up and play? It was one out there? Pop the popcorn. Yeah. With um, yeah, he was helping a girl with her serve. Uh, looked like a competitive player. Regress palm up. I think the idea of what he was trying to get her to do was 
you know, have the equal and opposite reaction when the shoulder goes forward, the the racket goes between the elbow and the head. So he was trying to get her to feel that. You know, in his words, it was the lag. You know, so obviously it starts from the ground, from the ground up. So legs, you know, the hip and then the shoulder. So he was trying to get her to feel that. You know, in his words, you know, the racket's coming in before that leg drive is initiated. So it's true. Like we say, we use the phrase setting the hand. She, she was setting her hand. The thing is, she was regressed palm up. And he was saying, down up, you know, down up. And her toss started to go a little bit lower. But, you know, his energy, like, you just, you know, he, he never stopped talking. He just brought the energy the whole time. And uh, it was it was it was just fun to to watch him teach. That was the first time I'd seen him teach live, yeah, think, and and uh, you know the Macy magic. I think a lot of that is the energy and and things. But you know, practical application. And you never know what people are. You know, what stage they're at. They could be just trying to focus on one thing and not focusing on another at, in that moment. So you can't really you know make a five minute judgment. But it was just, no, for it, sure. was, it was just interesting teaching and coaching so we watched Liam go through the NCAs and mm-hmm. uh, Peter Cobell who played Ohio State my son played doubles with him I traveled with him traveled with Peter you know, with, you, you know when I was with Connor we would go to a lot of the same tournaments and travel so yeah we have a fun pre-post of Peter Cobell where he yeah. made these changes with his game at one time he was ranked number one in the NCAA 6'7 right. big guy yeah uh, so I said and his father already said that, that Peter was very good with Lean on the bench, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Lean was just, yeah, you know, he's just was fun the way he answered the questions. I oh, said, Cobell's great. He goes, is he still, is he hit some serves to you from the service line? He goes, no, he doesn't really even play anymore. Can you imagine Cobell helping somebody yeah. return a serve and serving <laughs> to him from the service line? Yeah. And <clears> so like over he, their head. It's like he's serving out of a tree. Yeah. But he said every once in a while he tries to bring the Ohio State yeah. energy. Tucker, he said, he, but, but for the most time, most part, he just shows up with a Slurpee and he's pretty laid <laughs> yeah. back. I, I was teasing Pete. I saw him down there on the bench, you know, coaching Liam during the NCAs, and I sent him a message. And I was like, what could you possibly be telling that kid? Come on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're just saying good job. And I was giving him a hard time. No, but actually, I was one time at the NCAs and some people were being negative to uh, about, um, it was a year Georgia won, so... Coach Diaz, Manny Diaz, is up in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going, and he goes down to the courts, goes back up in the stands. He's sitting in the stands, and um, you know, someone's being critical. And I said, actually, if you coach really, really well, yeah. you don't even need to be on the bench. Yeah. But I think if you are on the bench, I've spent some time on the bench talking to people. There's not many settings where you actually can do that. You certainly can do it all the time in practice. Mm-hmm. But... You know, you're better off to just get the player to laugh. Exactly. You know, it's not just like it, it's, it's too late to say, okay, let's work on your game. Yeah. I mean, typically they're playing somebody, they just have a forehand. That's all they have. They're right-handed. Just don't let them move to the left. Yeah. Just keep hitting forehands to the right. Yeah. And they don't come They don't come to the net, so don't be worried about elevating the ball. And that way you're going to be the first one to get the first short ball. Yeah. You just give them one or two things. Or, yeah, just keep their brain in the right spot in the front you know where they're having fun and enjoying you know, competition i talked to rob krejcik this week i know it's topergaard right really nice guy from denmark you yeah, had him over yeah had him over here i met him for the first time i watched him play several times i know he's yeah good, lost good tough, friends lost a tough one today good friends with sangren so uh sangren was playing uh at that time he was two and oh against stevie johnson and i said i was talking what are you gonna do he goes 
you know, two to his forehead and one to his backhead. Yeah. And anyway, so tennis is fine. It's the, um, but with Macy, um, the UTR events are there. And I do think it's great. There's a lot of positive the UTR. I think it's unfortunate that it's very expensive. I think for the most part, um, I know there's, um, Liam told us that he was playing. There's one at uh, Macy's facility every weekend that's on hard court. Yeah. And the Caselli, there's one, I guess, a little further down, you generally in Fort Lauderdale. And that's usually on clay. Yeah. Um, but the, the fee, it, it's um, so expensive. The, the, the directors of the USTA, if I'm not mistaken, um, Laura Bowen, the executive director of Florida Tennis. Yeah. Pretty sure I have it correct. What she told me is that the USTA, there's limits on what you can charge to play in the tournament. UTR is unlimited. And the the doubles, people aren't playing doubles. We've been sending players down and uh, they don't play doubles and one, nobody else is playing. Yeah, one person tries to sign up or something. And the fee's the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a time where you just played one, you paid one fee. Yeah, there were a lot of times it was like, let's say it's $50 for the singles and it was just like 10 more for the doubles. You know, the additional... But I know oh, they're, was, uh, making, they're doing pretty well there, business-wise. Yeah, the, um, again, Kyle was telling us that it's uh, a cash you know, cow. <laughs> the, the facility, um, it's just packed with tournament yeah. players. Yeah, and there's so many academies. Um, I heard this line one time: "Is academies are opening up faster than Seven Elevens? There's one on every corner." Yeah, like Kyle was saying. You know, it's too bad. People are so fickle, you know, that they'll they'll go to an academy for, you know, a week or two and they'll lose, you know, or they'll lose in a tournament a week or two and then they'll jump ship and go look for the, you know, like, oh, you didn't help me. It's like, yeah, I mean, not it's a whole lot of. The shop and bop. I mean, yeah. that's where I think the consumer has wised up a little bit where it's too bad even at the after school junior development at the local club is sometimes there's some wheeling and dealing. Yeah. I understand there's some kids you know, that you have to help with because they're have they face a financial hardship, but with the backroom deal. So there's a lot of, a lot of times, well, we're going to go to this Academy because who am I going to get to practice with? Who am I going to get to play with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to tell people at Satterbrook, a beautiful place. Uh, Kyle was a commercial for uh, mm-hmm. last week. He was a commercial for Saddlebrook. But when Pete Sampras was there, when Pete was walking down the fairway playing golf, that was not going to help your child with their backhand. <laughs> um, the uh, but it was great to see so much tennis. Um, and the, you know the facility um, is marketing, marketing, marketing. When I was a kid, ice hockey, the boards they were always just all white, and then you watch a hockey game. Eventually, you start you. You know, there was enough uh, hockey being telecast where you see a European game. And then, you you know, like in Germany. Oh, yeah. Um, so the boards in hockey overseas, they had, now in, in the U.S., there's advertising on the boards. Mm-hmm. But you go to a small tennis club and you look up on the on the roof and there's there's yeah, advertising. Everywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they did that with Newcombs here in the U.S. So that was really cool. They, I think <clears throat> Newcomb had, still does. They have a great logo with his big mustache. Yeah. But... Um, now it would be very easy to do with the drones, but years ago in Europe, the Vic Braden tennis schools on the, the roof was the Vic Braden logo, Vic yeah, Braden name cool. and logo. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got some signage going. 
but I know you'd spent time in, in, in South Florida, but, uh, it was, it was fun to give you a tour of, uh, Boca. Yeah, no, I was impressed with the area. I mean, and also just, Hey, it's great that tennis is thriving. Although pickleball is, uh, is making its way there as well. It's infiltrating. We, uh, spent some time with a longtime friend started as a student. You know, he's been in the business a long time now, Brandon Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Have to get this in. His uh, father is Irish, great last name, Flanagan. But uh, yeah. Flanagan. Anytime, anytime there's a birthday party, you know he's Polish because it stole a lot, stole a lot. He starts singing happy birthday in Polish, but uh, <laughs> he brought it up. Uh, I, I used to go, Flanagan, 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 what a name. And you go, Flanagan. He tells a story. I said, Flanagan, get over here. Oh, did your parents really mess up? <laughs> he's looking at me and he goes, I, he's nervous. And he's telling the story the other day. And, he's, and I did my, my punchline was they should have named you Brendan. Yeah. Not Brandon Flanagan. Yeah. It's not Brandon. It's yeah. Brendan. Brendan. He says he's thinking about still, still thinks about it. He might change it. Brendan. Yeah. With, uh, you want another pint? What do you give us a little Irish twang there? Yeah, I don't know if I can do it. With, I'm all jacked up on zero sugar uh, Canada dry here. Um, but we, uh, we we hooked up with Brandon, um, and he's got it going. Uh, he's been, I, I thought it was uh, just a handful of years, but it's been, it hasn't been a half dozen, but it's been over a dozen years that he's been down in that corner of the world. Yeah. Uh, but, FM Tennis, is that how the people read about his program? Yeah. FMTennis.com? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, we can put but he's, that uh, show notes. You know, he had his brother, Jordan's father, Ed. They were cheap labor. I asked his father, I said, what's, what's he paying you? He said, I hope I, get, <laughs> I hope I get a sandwich. And they were uh, working, they have a 6,000 square foot building. Yeah. And he's paying him with corned beef and cabbage. The, uh, yeah, it's a performance center. It's that's going to be the name of it. Have, yeah, FM, FM tennis, but FM tennis, FM performance, performance center. S- sorry, Brandon, if we're <laughs> messing this up with, uh, but you know, you walk in and you feel like you're walking into a doctor's office. So the front side of it, you're going to have, uh, several expert, experts helping them out. One, yeah. we, we, we met, uh, Richard, Woodruff. Yeah. Just yeah. wood and roof put together. Say that fast. Woodruff. Woodruff. Yeah, we uh, saw him and they were working with Kevin Anderson. So we were hanging out there for a little bit. Yeah, let's go back to the Performance Center for a minute. Um, with um, Vic Braden years ago, I was telling um, Brendan that... Uh, he wanted to have in every strip mall yeah, where um, just a regular retail shop, you go in and you have your forehand, backhand, surf filmed. Yeah, surf just, cage. Just like getting your or, haircut. Uh, yeah, just um, like the, the hitting lane. So you could be in a mall. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to be able to do that. He's um, um, well, you know, he's going to have a nutritionist, he's going to have a sports psychologist, a yoga master, Yoga teacher. Um, guru. Guru. Yoga guru. <laughs> That's what we are. Aren't we internet gurus now? 
Please, no. I, I certainly don't want to be. Here are the secrets for the serve. With, um, I would think there may be two to three months away from opening that place. So, He said by the end of the month, but we'll see how well the cheap you, labor does. You were, See how much corned beef and cabbage. You're, you're listening uh, better than I was. So. But... Um, one of his colleagues and associate, not too far away. So I'd say, um, you know, everything's within a three mile hike. Yeah. Three miles this way, three miles that way. A stone's throw. Say that again. <laughs> a stone's throw, maybe. <laughs> With uh, <laughs> um, whale al Hindi. Yeah, or wild. Wild. I was thinking wild just because wild tennis academy. W A E L. He's top 10 squash player in the world. He's played squash with Roger Feder. Yeah, Egyptian. I told him about myself being, uh, I was in uh, Switzerland and had these kids hitting against tennis. Okay, let's just get the, speaking of Henry Square. Yeah. Uh, yeah kin- a, kinetic. I mean, that place was cool. Yeah, what it's called? Kinetic, I believe. Kinetic racket. Kinetic racket. Racket? You can put it in the oh, notes. Oh, man, I blew it. Yeah, I'll put it in the, put it in the notes. I apologize. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. But you mentioned Henry Square. I, I'd have to call, count. I think I've been in five or six countries with Henry Square. Yeah. You know, from the time he was a little kid. But he uh, he was with us and we're in Zurich and I've got kids in the squash court and they're hitting, okay, let's hit some tennis balls. We're, we've got to wait a long time for the court to open up. It's winter time. Yeah. And the Swiss kids, they were, and other European kids, they were just, they were just playing they're just playing squash. And I was just thinking, well, that's how the Fed gets so you could hit those amazing shots. Exactly. Now we have kids that are trying to squash shot before they're even past a single sideline. You know, yeah. when, the, when the Fed was, he hits his squash shots, he's on a stadium court. He's almost in the stands. Um, I was just looking this up. It's a kinetic indoor racket club. Kinetic, kinetic racket.com. Check it out. This place is cool. And Fitzell could do that because he has much better phone skills than I do. My phone uh, skills that are... would be the understatement of the millennium. But uh, just teasing you, Smith. But, You're not um, that bad. But Whale is uh, the founder. Yeah, young guy. Um, he, I read his background. He was a tennis player until the age of thirteen. He converted squash, so he's a late comer to squash. Convert. But what he said about um, pickleball, what he Everybody tries to be positive. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start hanging out more with Kyle. I'm going to be really positive. <laughs> Is with, no, seriously, um, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with, with vinegar. So um, what he said he didn't like about pickleball, um, Egyptian. So he's got a worldly point of view. He's not yeah. in his backyard. Yeah. Travel all over the world with squash. He said that pickleball is invading tennis. Yeah. It's not, it's not, not you, know, like, you know, like he has five squash courts. Squash is not invading, you know, Brandon, a place right by where he is uh, called Calusa Park that you go in and there's all these three ball, three wall ball, three ball wall. Yeah. How, do you, how do you say that? Three, three wall, three ball wall, three wall, three ball. wall ball. I don't know. It's racquetball. Like Macy's where that huge sign is, where it says USTA and Macy. Yeah. So it's like, well, okay. How's that work? So I, I looked that up. I'm not the researcher I'd like to be, but Macy is a consultant to the USTA. Mm-hmm. 
like, okay. Uh, but there's a big sign, uh, Rick Macy is to the right. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. But it's on a wall because at the Macy facility, I believe it's 12. So right by Flanagan, they have, I, I, they don't have that many, but they have three walls for racquetball. Yeah. And what a great way to hit tennis balls. Exactly. Um, but the, you know, I asked Kyle, because I, I once went to a pickleball clinic. Chuck Gill, um, somebody I've known since the 70s, we worked at different sites with All-American Sports. And, you know, he's done so much for the USPTA. He's president of the USPTA. And he was on the board with Florida Tennis Association. And at that time, we were just sitting on a bench at the US Open. And he said, pickleball is just a casual sport. Why don't they just leave it a casual sport? And now, you know, I do think both, I mean, I know the PTR and USPTA and I, I cringe a little bit that they're overnight experts on pickleball. Yeah. Um, but I think the way um, Al Hindi, Mr. Al Hindi said that was, uh, it's so true. We really saw it. And I mean, there's, I think that lets you know how much faster tennis is happening in, in that Boca Raton area, Palm Beach County yeah. is they're, they're way ahead of the game having converted already. Uh, we're, you know, Brandon works at the Boca Raton tennis center. That's one of his, I think he's got a half dozen sites, but where he's teaching tennis. Um, and M is for his partner's last name, Allington, a British guy. So you got an Irish guy who, with an Americanized first name and a British guy, partners. Yeah. And, but they've already converted two, and I guess they're going to convert two more. Yeah. To pickleball. So it's, 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 I think that's very strong. It's invading tennis. Yeah. I mean, the tennis court, you know, so you had the, the, the kid lines, right? The 60 foot court. So you already had some, you know, different lines on the court. And now with the pickleball, I mean, the, you know, he had this really nice, while had this really nice, tennis one indoor court at his facility, but it looks like a maze is drawn on it. You know, there's just lines everywhere. You know, I would, Vic Brain used to say about that. It's no big deal. You know, Vic was a basketball nut. That was his favorite sport. If you go into a gym, you know, there's lines for badminton, there's lines for this, there's lines for that. And the people know which line is for, um, Say, wow. ba say basketball, but there's volleyball, badminton. There's just, man, there's quite a few lines if you go into a public high school. Still looks better when it's just tennis, all right? <clears throat> That's just my opinion. Yeah, you spend too much time combing your hair, too. With, <laughs> um, You're so damn jealous. But with that, there was uh, a lot of concern when the 10 and under lines were put on the court. I think the 10 and under lines are great for just teaching the game. Mm. You know, you get, it's, it's 60 feet, so the, the court's 78, you come in nine feet. Now you can play, yeah. like the playing depth, you hit over the service line, high level depth is hitting over the 10 and under line. Yeah, percentage line. The 10 and under line is just like, okay, so where Jack Kramer is, his geometry teacher said, this is where you play your approach shot. Mm -hmm. With um, the, um, but the lines now are two-tone, so you've got like two different colors of blue and, but people really fought. They really didn't want to have those lines. Yeah. Um, doesn't really help so much on the clay court. You can do it, but it's, um, you know, one thing that's faded away is the USTA and around the world, I think it was a really good model for adult tennis, 
is kids playing east and west, or they're playing on a 36-foot court. So you'd have six tennis courts, you know, hitting east and west. Back in the 70s, there were so many people playing. I, you know, how's it go? You need to imitate before you innovate. Mm. Dennis Vandermeer, I can remember just copying Dennis. So I was the director of, we called it Tennis Tech at Tyler Junior College. And on every court we had, so we had 12 courts, we had... Um, the capability of, you know, they're just these wooden nets. So the, the, the bottom was six inches, two inches thick, six, six inches wide. And we had enough to go three. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could have as many as six courts. So people would play East and West. Mark Hamlin, who we need to get on a podcast. the first, first person there, my first Guinea pig that I taught to teach tennis yeah. with, um, he worked with a guy, uh, George Mueller, Christoph Mueller's son. And this is in a place called Bad Schwartau, north of Lubeck. And they had a cable. You know, they just had a cable. It was really well done. It was an mm-hmm. indoor court. Mm-hmm. You, you, just, you, it was, you just went from the beam behind the center of the baseline to the wall, wall to wall, 120 feet. Mm-hmm. And they then they had three nets. It was just like... You know the Germans. They yeah, they didn't invent the Germans. They didn't invent the bicycle. They just perfected it. <laughs> um, but when we were at um, Whale Al Hindi's place, uh, we just went in and talked because there's a possibility that we, you know, could uh, do some filming there. With we want to continue. We got to do so many things to improve the Great Base. Yeah. But um, Coco Golf was there. Yeah, you know that's an interesting thing about South Florida is that it's it's happening. So yeah. it's like okay, Coco Golf's here. Um, a couple of our students were excited to be at a tournament a couple of weeks back because she was there as well. But she was there watching her little brother play, mm-hmm. and um, it was interesting. I watched her. I watched her little brother play. Yeah, her little brother was her, there. Her brother was playing points or tiebreakers. Maybe a set, don't know mm-hmm. what the scoring format was, but uh, the owner, the operator, Will Al-Hindi, was playing, I think he's an eight-year-old kid. But I was listening to his father from the bench. His father said, trust yourself, trust yourself. And he said that a couple of times. Another line he said was, because the kid was losing points and the, the, the body language, and he said, um, you're not gonna go anywhere with that attitude. Now I've watched Coco Goff I mentioned on a previous podcast, this kid that we spent a lot of time with, Victor Lillov, he's the same age. And there's many times when they were in the 12s that they would go deep in a tournament. And uh, no, I can remember uh, watching her play and watching her train. There's a famous story where her father said, she'll run across glass. She'll run across, bare, she'll run barefoot across broken glass to get to a ball. Yeah. You know, Matt Clore was with the USTA, spends a lot of time with says that he thinks that she's next to Nadal. He, I heard him say that. He goes, next to Nadal. I think she, he said, I think she's one of the best competitors. But it just makes you think because Patrick, I tease, Patrick Manigulu, two of his coaches were there and they were just doing a gym workout. Yeah. That um, I don't think that his training will be as raw, if that's the right word, that his sister's was. Mm. Because you know he's been on record saying that you know, that he was tough. Yeah, he he coached her, and I think that has a lot to do. I mean, 
I, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I, I know that we could be a little critical like we could be if anyone, including ourselves first, that she could hit the ball cleaner. Yeah. Um, I was giving uh, Brandon Flanagan a lesson, a ping pong lesson, table tennis lesson, and it's right next to the court. Let's say this about table tennis with our random conversation. I tell kids when they're playing table tennis, just do this up to the count of 20. The ball hits the table, let it hit the floor, and then you hit a forehand. Yeah. Hits the table, let it hit the floor, and then you hit the backhand. Because mm-hmm. you really have to lift. Yeah. Like maybe that's the time um, uh, I mentioned the Bill Price story. Um, back in the day, Bill Price, um, he coached tennis as a hobby. You know, most people years ago, they didn't charge fees for tennis lessons. St. Louis, he would go to the baseball, Little League games and pick out, usually the shortstop, pick out some really good athlete. And there were several, but one was Chuck McKinley. And and I know his brother, Bobby. I had a chance to see Chuck play. Played Wimbledon once and he won it. Little guy. Hmm. Jumped through through the gym. Very acrobatic. But Price told McKinley and all the, the parents of the kids that he identified that if you do this, if you get a ping pong table and you use these grips, um, so, you know, and again, I just, I, I think way back when Richard Nixon was trying to have relations with China and, and how the Chinese were hanging on at ping pong paddles, mm-hmm. what little I knew about ping pong. But if you play with these grips and then you come and watch me teach every weekend for a year and I'll coach you for free. Mm-hmm. And that's very similar to what they do in, um, in, you know, Eastern philosophy, some martial arts where you have to sit and observe for a week. Yeah. You know, you watch it. I've seen this happen so many times at indoor tennis clubs where um, there's some downtime and they, they, a uh, karate class, kung fu, whatever they, yeah. um, taekwondo here in America to digress, take your dough. Yeah. It used to just be a brown belt and a black belt. But so anyway, you, it's just interesting that kids have the robes on, they bow to their instructors and it's just totally quiet and they stand yeah. there with their arms behind their back. And Napoleon Dynamite, Rex Quando. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, you guys see Rex Quando. You have to understand that our listeners is that Leo and I and his wife, we work 24 seven and he just watches movies. No, that's not no, true. No, it's just that's that I true. have a, uh, I have an ear for uh, memorization. I have total recall. I recall totally what I want to. Exactly. With, um, with, what's you know, what next, I was going to say though, what I was going to say before you was when I was playing ping pong, when I was giving Brandon the lesson, meaning just schooling him, moving him side to side, you know, I said out loud, pretty loud. It's too bad. These guys don't know how well, how much we could help. Coco with her tennis game with a little bit of arrogance, admittedly. Right. But it was like, Hey, it's too bad. She, she doesn't know how much we could help her with her serve. I think that's what I said. Just, just to maybe see if they could. Well, uh, competition's good. I think that we that. could help Patrick, Patrick Monigulu with, uh, how he's explaining the forehand too. But the spice, yeah. of, the spice of life. I was showing a video today, Raphael Fontamora. And if you want to see creativity, mm. um, Wow, Rafael, he was a student of ours at Tennis Tech. He's from Spain. He's out in, in uh, Scott, the Scottsdale area. Yeah. 
he came to work with us. Um, he was his energy. Dennis Vandermeer sent him to me. His energy was just off the charts, still is. And I had him play left-handed. Yeah. Um, the accent's going to reel people in too. Yeah. He. Uh, no, he's just very, very creative. Uh, so if you would watch Raphael, and you watch what we do, say with Welby Van Horn Balance, uh, yeah. we would look a little outdated. Mm-hmm. Like Agassi, um, when he started wearing Nike and wearing flashy clothes, where they were hooked up to a battery pack that he was wearing, so they would shine in the dark. <laughs> is um, there's that commercial we said it's all about image. The other one where yeah, image is everything. And that doesn't happen at the country club. That'll wake up the country club. Yeah. And fair enough, you know, people on the forehand, they used to teach penny on edge, shake hands in the back, shake hands on the front. It was a 180 degree swing. Yeah. And actually, um, even though Borg was on the scene and he revolutionized the game, you could even go back where Laver with a composite and Australian grip close to continental on the forehand side. Yeah. He did okay hitting some top. Uh, just rolled that baby a little bit. But Jimmy Arias... Nick saw him hitting a public park and just said, wow, that's how everybody has to hit a forehand. Yeah. And Nick didn't get around to teaching him, and Jimmy gives him a hard time for it. Ironically, Jimmy now is in a leadership role at, at IMG, formerly Voluntaries. Yeah. That he didn't have a backhand grip. He got to be four or five in the world. And, I mean, he was just weak on the backhand side. But his forehand was something new. Jimmy told me some stories at Indian Wells a few times there in the media area. We chatted. But, you know, I haven't met, I've never, those stories, uh, secret. I've never met Jimmy in person, but uh, one of the guys we trained, Gary Needleman, he was the assistant at one time, the volunteer, I guess, volunteer first and the assistant at UCF in a very, very short period of time. Jimmy was a coach at, at UCF, so. With Ashley Fisher, I got on the phone a few times with uh, Jimmy. But he mm-hmm. was just refreshingly honest. Yeah. Um, in fact, I heard Brad Gilbert, who I really like to listen to. I think Jimmy, I love to listen to him as a commentator. Yeah. It's like, he goes, I, I love how Dennis Shapovala comes to the net. I don't think he knows what he's doing when he gets up there, but I love how he comes <laughs> yeah. in. And um, the, uh, is it Usue? He pronounced her name. She was on TV today. She did, was yeah. really on fire at 17. She's been, they said, she, you know, just really, she's. Trains up here at UCA. Yeah. Yeah. So she was hitting some slice forehands. And what was good was uh, Gilbert. I don't think there's enough of this in tennis, a little chirping, you know, with uh, hockey. You walk in the locker room and, you know, people just give you a hard time from the get go. Yeah. I think that too much of that happens. But Gilbert said today on TV, he said, uh, we're going to have to call Jimmy out. What's what's he doing down there? You know, you, you can't hit slice forehands like that. You usually don't hear comments like that. I think there's yeah. just so much edifying in all of tennis. Let's practice. So I'll, I'll go, uh, Fitzell, you're great. I'm not going to use last names. That's not proper. Andy, you're really great. You guys go, uh, Steve, you're really great too. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I try. Steve, you're the best, man. It's really hard for you to say that. So huh? good. Your nose is getting bigger, Pinocchio. <laughs> that, no, too much edifying. Um, with what's next on the agenda? How about Patch Reef Park, Boca, Boca Tour? Patch Reef Park, yeah, that was a nice place. Showing you the Boca Hotel. I mean, it's just an amazing place. But there's tennis everywhere. It's uh, it's yeah, a ton of courts. I mean, but with that being said, Carla Navarro, we have to 
we crashed at Carla's house. Her, yeah. uh, her husband, her two daughters, and son, they're over playing tennis in Belgium. Right down from the Delray Beach Tennis Center. Delray Beach Tennis Center. Atlantic Avenue has been rebuilt in many years. I used to take tennis lessons from Ed Foster when I was the perennial, perennial tennis bum in Boca Raton, Florida. Mm-hmm. I was the only person who rode the public bus in Boca. <sighs> and... But anyway, anyway, with that, um, that's where, um, gee, let's see, uh, Thomas Olestad, Michael Darcy, <clears throat> Brent Wellman, actually mm. Flanagan. Um, I'm sure I, for everyone I mentioned, I'm forgetting another one, but Carla and her husband, Robert. Robert. I don't go with Carla Wojcik. Yeah. It's Carla Navarro. She's from Bolivia, Bolivian tennis power. Yeah. With Viviana. Uh, but that's where we were watching Kevin Anderson practice. But yeah. go, before we go to Kevin Anderson, tell us about Patch Reef Park. Patrick Park, well. Have you seen anything better than that place? I, it was really nice. The drive in was like, whoa, you know, turf on the right fields. And then you go back in, like forested kind of area. And then kind of felt like Jurassic Park. You're going through Jurassic Park, you go in, you're going to, am I going to see a T Rex or what? Maybe. And then And then it's like, yeah, this huge center with. A bunch of nice courts, actually, and they were all empty. But we broke through the gate. I can remember taking Actually, it, it was open, I should say, but we unlatched um, the uh, chain and walked in a little bit. Yeah, it would be, it'd be super if they had clay, though. Yeah, I mean, it's hardcore. But still, you, they actually need more hardcourts. It's interesting about that part of the world. Is Not super. It would be super. Super. Patrick yeah. Modicolo. Yeah. With, speaking of Patrick Park... Yeah, that would be what a, I've done over the years is when you meet people that are famous, you just you know pretend you don't even know that they're fit. Let the, you know, how's it go? Treat the famous like they're not, not, and, and those not, that are not yeah. like they're famous. Yeah, and but I can remember uh, Chris Everett, another player, person, tennis enthusiast, born in 1954, legend. But I, they, I remember being when my kids were little, taking them to the swing sets and. Uh, Chris Everett would be there mm. with her little kids. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll come back to Carla and the Delray Beach Tennis Center. On It's just all right there. I mean, yeah. it's just a few miles away. Yeah. Courts everywhere. We We did uh, get a tour of Kyle's place with yeah, really uh, nice. the Oaks. The Oaks. Beautiful, high, Beautiful. high, high end. Yeah. Um, with, uh, but yeah, they have, I think, just one hard court, right? They have 12 beautiful. Yeah, they have one red, hard, clay. One red clay and uh, the one pristine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, I, I didn't finish that thought too. Is that I asked Kyle about pickleball? How's that plastic ball work on clay? And he said they're trying it. But yeah, so maybe that's going to help out ten, tennis and Boca is that they can't play pickleball on clay. <laughs> we'll see. I'll probably figure it out. Um, we weren't really there at the right time. Um, Carla told us. Um, she has an amazing background in tennis or she, she's been in it since birth mm-hmm. f- from a tennis family. Carlos told us at certain times of the season, you just can't get a court. But um, when we were there, just about every facility we popped in on Saturday, Sunday, they were closed in the yeah. afternoon or evening. Yeah, early. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Pretty warm. But my old stomping grounds, I started off as a tennis bomb. I mean, I, Taught tennis at the Boca Hotel a little bit with All American Sports, Boca West. Um, 
I can remember I worked at the uh, Memorial Park. We swung by there in Boca. But also right around the corner from Patrick Park, Chris Everett's. What did you mm-hmm. think of that place? Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. Um, set up there, made sense. Nice courts. Again, empty at that time of day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, across the street, Boca Prep. That Andy used to Roddick, be, Marty Fish, right? That used to be the Greg Luganis Swim Center. And there was three pools that each cost a million dollars. Two of them, I was there when they filled them in. And I was the second person hired to hire the architect, and I was a tennis director. Actually, Dave Anderson, we talk about quite often, he he joined me. And um, at that time, Sagu was a basset, but then IMG and Chris Everett purchased it. Yeah. It, it's kind of like what's going on in the world today. Wouldn't, wouldn't we like to, maybe we, we should, we, we'd be better off if we really didn't know what was going on in the world. But what's going on in yeah. tennis, um, the... I think to, uh, unfortunately, in many ways, I think to be associated with um, USPTA, PTR, USTA, the alphabet soup, is you have to be politically correct. Yeah. And I am not one to be politically really? correct. Um, yeah, I know. But the USTA, <clears throat> I was pointing out to you, so they have one really nice building to the left. Yeah. And then one really nice building to the right. The USTA on Everett land. Yeah. And, uh, you know, did the, the Everett family, did Chrissy just buy the entire operation? Was she on the whole property without IMG? I don't know. But at one time it was Everett and IMG. So the USTA comes in and they build the building. They pay for every penny to build the building. But yeah. they build it on Everett land. Yeah. So once it was built, this is the UST money. I think a lot of people call it public money. What's going on with the, the public money? So the building built and paid for by the UST, and then the UST has to rent it. That makes sense. <laughs> and then the U, I wonder the UST leaves, you know, and you hear numbers, you don't know if it's accurate. The UST was paying $110,000 a month at one time. And, and now, but they've left, and I was told it was a 30-year deal. So I wonder if they're still paying, um, you know, just like you hear, you know, what's going I would on. Yes, yes. What's going on in Afghanistan? And the Americans have left millions of dollars of artillery, you know, equipment. Yeah. You know, two hundred fifty-six. I'm trying not to watch the news, but yeah, two hundred fifty-six helicopters, two hundred eight airplanes. If it was a movie, they would have blown it all up. Mm. They would have the soldiers put everything in one pile and we're just going to blow this up. Oh, they'd, they'd flick a match and walk away and you'd see everything explode. Behind, so they turned behind it, the hero walking in slow motion. Yeah. And tell us about the color scheme. It would be... It'd be orange and teal. Orange and teal. Yeah. So um, that's not the case. So now you're watching on the network to the right, not the network to the left. Mm. The network to the right... You know, you're we're getting into politics. I'm huh? watching somebody driving. <laughs> this is this is new. Well, it's, great base but tennis it's, podcast. But but tennis is tennis. The foobar tennis. Well, let's get down to the tennis foobar. Well, let me take you back to the guy. <laughs> Just giving hard time. The guy <laughs> driving the U.S. tank. Yeah, uh, that's not good. A foobar. We it, can't explain could, what could, foobar means could, because could we be, got kids listening. Could be two two different de- definitions. Well, the F, F word you got to guess. Yeah. But it's effed up beyond Fun. all repair. Fun. 
or effed up beyond our recognition. But that's mm-hmm. tennis teaching. Mm. The thing is, is that, um, you know, I, I say this in world affairs, um, I understand and agree with diplomacy. In tennis teaching, I don't agree with diplomacy. I mean, if, you know, you've got adult one, adult two. So you say adult A, adult B, you got two different people. Then you got C, you got the kid. I mean, it's healthy to disagree, but when... Um, so I should have been louder when I was playing ping pong, when I was schooling Brandon. I should have been louder. Hey, let me help your daughter with your serve. You're an American. Well, American. actually, in the, how, how, that world, how that world would work is, I mean, it would have to be, first of all, is probably not going to happen. <laughs> but with, uh, you know, this is how it should happen. That if only people were to listen to me, is Matt Clore's hitting some balls. He's he's fit. He hits the ball really well. So he's hitting balls with Coco Goff. Yeah. She comes up to Lake Nona, and I said, Matt, if I were you, what I would recommend is just yeah. tell tell the dad, I will drive. I'll get permission from Kathy Rinaldi. I'll drive down to. They live in Boynton or Delray. I'll drive down once a week and I'll play your daughter, and then I'll film it. I'll bring it back, I'll chart it, and I'll do a voiceover of the match, and then I'll do a voiceover of the technique. And I'll just send it to you. You're the papa bear. And you're, yeah. you're he's the architect. You know, you can't, you gotta give- Yeah, exactly, you just make you, the video you got, for you, him. You gotta give the mother credit too, but, but from what I've seen, he's, he's the architect. Mm-hmm. Someone's gotta be in charge. And, and and she's in a different place where, you know, you know I think that's one of the, we talked about that with Jack Kramer. Jack Kramer, for sure, would like he said about Sabatini. You know, like I said about TFO after you win the Orange Bowl, it's like, yeah. well, you should take a year off and really learn how to play. Yeah. And um, I think that she would be a sh- sure thing to win Grand Slams. Um, she probably will anyway, but to, to win multiple, to win more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'll reduce injury too. With. Um, but I think that the young boy, you know, you gotta have to capture him on film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he should have a different technical upbringing than, than the, the sister. But winning is not confusing, it's totally confusing. But let's go back to watching Kevin Anderson. So Carla, she's working at the Delray Beach Tennis Center. I wanted to uh, run into Jeff Bingo. He, he's a director, I know him from a long, long time ago when he was a junior in Boca. Bingo. Yeah. But um, didn't see Brent Wellman, who we've trained. He's in mm. charge of juniors at that facility. I haven't seen him for years. But yeah, the pandemic, uh, it's its amazing. Time's mm. gone by where you haven't been seeing people on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's like, like I said earlier, two summers, like the Orange Bowl or the Eddie Herb. Yeah. So we're watching Anderson volley. It's the same thing. We're watching Anderson, not volley, really. Yeah. So it's, now we, we just had a, we had to go back because we had uh, we you know Carla lives in walking distance, but we all rode in one car to go out to dinner. Or actually, actually, we we just walked. That's it. We walked down Atlantic Ave. We didn't yeah. drive to dinner, so we had to go back to the tennis center. Mm-hmm. And um, because we're such pure athletes, we didn't stop for ice cream. We said, okay, we'll just sit in the stands <laughs> and and watch four people coach. Hey, stretched. We'll watch four people coach Kevin Anderson at the same yeah. time. I've got terabytes of footage of Kevin because like when Warren Pretorius and I would do filming projects, Kevin being South African, 
we would film Kevin a lot. So I've got a lot of film. In fact, Warren set up, this is years ago where he set it up where I actually did some video analysis with Kevin, sat down in this little back room in Indian Wells Tennis Garden. And then next week you beat Djokovic, but not because of anything I said, but uh, just interesting. I'll tell you why I think he beat Djokovic because I was in Miami and I remember that is Kevin Anderson, he practiced with Federer and he took a set from Federer. Yeah. Of course, Federer, people know that Federer in practice, you know, he's gonna try a few things and he's, that's why he can do so many things with a ball. Like yeah. the Roger Federer, I didn't know you're supposed to win in practice. Yeah. But his mother, Lynette, she likes to seek out the, the South Africans mm. and she hooked up Roger to hit with Kevin. So if you're, you had to be, had to be sky high. He was a kid coming out of Illinois. Yeah. Takes a set from Roger Federer. Just think about how powerful that is. That, you know, and I think that's one thing where you, players from other parts of the world, they really get a sense of belonging. You know, like say in Sweden, for example, years ago when there were six out of 10 players in the top world. Yeah. In the, six out of 10 in the top in the world. Yeah. Um, they all go to Davis Cup. In America, just the, parents, just the players who know they're going to play. I think that was very good about like say Marty Fish when yeah. he when he wasn't playing um, and, and he's the captain now and maybe maybe that's one of the reasons he's the captain is he was a team guy he, he wasn't it was really um, I remember going in two thousand seven when they won in Portland it was the Bryan brothers it was James Blake and and Roddick yeah. Blake got up before in the world and you know Fish played quite a bit and contributed but um, well logistically too though in defense of America. Not to say your point isn't correct, but you know, if you're living in California and Davis Cup is in New York, it's tougher to get there than it is in Europe. You can just drive there. Just well, that's just um hey. You're right. Although, but, I, but but I'm just saying there are some reasons why maybe Well, I, I think that comment lazy. comes back to um, uh, all the drugs you did when you were in high school. Davis <laughs> Cup used to be home and away for itself. So it means that every other every other year we're talking elementary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> elementary school. No, every sugar. Sugar is a drug. Every other year, there are there used to be away matches, and I, I think you know, talking to um, Raven Clausen, we talked to him uh, exchanging text messages actually today. He said, "Well, Davis Cup is after the U.S. Open. Is at Forest Hills? Mm -hmm. That means it's all one place." Yeah, but. Um, with Kevin, um, you know, our listeners, a lot of people, uh, you know, um, Fergus O'Rourke, he listens to our podcast, Fergus. A young Irishman. He said, we mentioned, we player. mentioned, we mentioned too many names. He sings, singer. he sings, he's the whole, the whole package. Yeah. How's it go? You're a triple threat. If you can sing, dance and act. Okay. I don't think he can act though. Maybe. Are you a model slash actor or an actor slash model? With, with mentioning too many Kevin names. Anderson. I don't want to be called a name dropper, but we were watching him. And <clears throat> so he came over to the United States, Kevin Anderson. I know parents built a back for his backyard. I had people tell me he's the hardest worker. I think it was JJ Jones. I mean, GG Jones. Or one of his teammates was coaching him at one time, a young guy from New Zealand, hmm. fighter, competitor. He's serving underhand. He had a, hurt so shoulder and mm -hmm. didn't slow him down. Mm. So Kevin's had a bunch of coaches. And I mean, here's a guy who's one match away from winning Wimbledon, one match away from winning the US Open. And, you know, he's had a, a number of injuries, but he's playing a point. He's got four people talking to him. 
Now, uh, actually, one is uh, one of the experts who's going to work for or with Brendan Flanagan at the yeah. Performance Center, the FM Performance Center. Yeah, here. Richard. Richard Woodruff. Well, the one time Kevin did, you know, I remember years ago when I did video work for him, you know, I was just showing him the ground strokes, you know, I remember his center of gravity kind of falling off, falling back. And it's like, hey, you know, you're six foot, six foot tall, you're six foot seven or whatever, you know, you want to set yourself up to go forward. Um, well, that was my advice, but he came, he served and volleyed, and then, you, you know, he, he dropped the racket head on a, a forehand volley and dumped it in the net, just to sit her easy. He got really frustrated and he hit the ball out of the stands and it kind of whizzed by my head actually. And uh, it was almost a Dennis Shapovalov Davis Cup moment. But, it, but you know, there was no like, hey, you know, do this on that volley. It's too bad. Now, I guess that he was at Illinois one year with Tiley, Craig Tiley, before Craig Tiley went to be the director of player development in Australia. Now, Brad Dancer... Uh, Tyler used to sing his praises. He was in a really bad car accident and how, how well he handled that. Mm. But um, from a philosophical standpoint, there's a lot of differences between Tylee and Dancer from a coaching standpoint. Tylee really wanted people <clears throat> to go forward. And I do think that, not to take anything away from Dancer, if Tylee had stayed with Anderson longer. Yeah. Um, but I did. I knew that Kevin, the grapevine, um, the, stay away from the grapevine. The grapevine will choke you. But, <laughs> but I, I knew. I don't know where I was told. But was, Kevin was looking for a coach. So I, um, I don't know Brad all that well. But you know, certainly known him a long time. But you know, you see someone at a tournament, you say hello for a few minutes. It's not like I ever really worked with him. But yeah. So I sent him an email or a text, and I said. Kevin Anderson should hire Raven Claussen. And I, Raven, he came to work with me, he's just 18 years old. And I, I tell him to this day, tell people that you're both a tennis player and a tennis teacher. Right. And, you know, I, um, I only had to reprimand Raven one time, amazing individual. And um, I, I reprimanded him not, you know, it was several years ago now because he's, he's definitely going to get the ATP pension. Yeah. I told him, I said, you're talking too much about the ATP pension. You, you need to be talking about other math. Yeah. And at that time, it was, uh, you know, what do you do with uh, the volley when uh, Jack Sock is hitting all those RPMs off his forehand? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of math that, that way, yeah. especially if you have a severe open racket face and the racket's going downward yeah. and his ball's coming to you yeah. like a spinning tire. But at that time, Raven... Um, so he, it was a go, you know, it was at that time, Kevin was very young, he was coming out of college and his father was traveling with him and, and it, it was a go where, and I think it would have been great for both of them because mm -hmm. Raven would have been at the big show, the way the points work out, uh, it took Raven a long time. I mean, he had these three knee operations, but yeah. Eric Buterak really helped Raven out by saying, Hey, will you play doubles with me? Yeah. And cause Eric had the ranking and you know, they he didn't do that well after, but very quickly, I think it was their second time playing together. Maybe first they got the finals of the Australian Open. Mm -hmm. But um, at that time, Raven was still thinking about playing singles. And the way it works is that, you know, he would have been playing, he would have, he would have been playing challengers. And I think he, you know, my thought was, you know, why do you commit? 
And he would tell you now that he wished he had done it a little bit sooner, commit to being a double specialist. Yeah, he told me that as well. And um, because he has a wealth of information and he knows what, what we've studied, he studied. And, um, yeah. you know, since someone's as big as Kevin, you know, serving that well, you know, I, I think of uh, the Argentine Del Potro. Mm-hmm. Now, Grant, he grew up on red clay, mm-hmm. but um, just not that acrobatic. What a great ball striker, but not that acrobatic at the net. And the only way that's going to happen, um, you know, it's interesting if, if you got a chance to watch, uh, which I have, you get to watch a John Isner play basketball. And it's just brain memory, you know, out at Saddlebrook, a lot of different places if you can play basketball, but you see how he is under the boards. I mean, well, first of all, in tennis, he's a giraffe. He's, he's a huge, he's a big boy. Yeah. But the brain, he has the footwork in basketball looking for a rebound that he doesn't have when he goes up to the net. Mm. But he, he's not really, he's not playing at the net at, like an acrobat where he's going to hit two volleys. For the most part, he's setting the point up, even in doubles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think of a Jimmy Connors, who was such a great player. He didn't have the biggest serve, but he basically, for the most part, set points up where he's going to hit such a great approach shot, hit such so so deep off his groundies. And if the approach shot get in, and the ball's above the level of net. Yeah, for those guys, it's the approach shots to serve. So then, the, and then they get the sitter forehand. We could end with a Jimmy story. I know that. Okay, so we'll talk more about Andy and his wife going back to Germany, but they're going to help us with uh, Deutschland. Great base. Uh, we're going to uh, make a few changes. We'll to try. What we're doing. I'm going to say we'll try. There's some logistics, some things involved. We need some support. You're going to say you're going to try. I mean. Well, I'll try and tell you watch Star Wars, and then maybe I'll do. If I watch Star Wars, you'll be on the podcast? Yeah. Actually, no, we have still haven't got you to really plug in your personality. Well, you don't stop talking. The, um, I told you <laughs> why, though. I'm the young, youngest of six, I didn't get to talk for the first uh, 20 years of my life. No, it's all good. Yeah, we'll... we'll uh, it's called verbal diarrhea. We'll make things happen. <laughs> we'll make things happen. I'm going to tell end with a Jimmy story. Um, I have... Uh, been around Jimmy Connors many, many times, talking about back to Boca. Mm-hmm. He used to come in and play at Boca West. Yes. And um, at one time he was uh, dating, he was engaged to Christy Everett. At that time, Christy Holiday Park, now it's Jimmy Everett Park. Yeah. But Myron Grunberg, he used to be the general manager. We have our network and people listen to our podcast. He used to be the general manager of the Richmond Hill Country Club where one of our favorite people, Richard Hernandez, has been for a long time. Yep. You're on Manus, been there. So Andy Roddick, it's, there's the, the Roddick family. Actually, there's, I think, J.C. Roddick. He's been recruited to play at UCF. He's a highly ranked American. His brother, his father, his father, Lawrence, that's the brother that um, didn't play at the same level as John or Andy. Mm. But he actually used our curriculum back when uh, J.C. Roddick was really young. Mm. So um, John Roddick is there, and he tells the story. So it's only three people. Andy, uh, Andy Roddick is the player. They hired Jimmy Connors. And 
the story goes, well, Jimmy's going to come to Austin. Like 50,000 a day. I know, I was only 40. It was only 40. I heard 40. <laughs> so Jimmy says, only like Jimmy can, he said, give me the nicest suite at the nicest hotel. So he you know, thinks about it for a little bit. He calls it back. He goes, you know, I live alone. I got a five better mouse. You can just stay here. Yeah. At, at, at $40,000, I say, <laughs> okay. And whether that's true or not. So that, that amount of money. But it wasn't for 52 weeks. So, so. Um, yeah, it's another podcast. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy goes out to practice, and Roddick did say that he had never met anybody who could swear. This is a story that I heard from Myron Grunberg, who heard from John Roddick. So take, so, it, take, it, for take it, it, it for what it is. Take it for what it is, yeah. So they're on the court, and coming back to Jimmy, though, is that he, this is, I think, before he had both hips replaced, but he would just stand in one place like the old coach and not miss yeah, and put every ball on a dime, just inches from the baseline, like a machine. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy wants to establish old school mentality. He's going to be the boss. Maybe yeah, this, the dog. Maybe this is why he only coached <clears throat> Cher Pulver for forty five minutes. Yeah. So he has Roddick, who's uh, they used to call it the the Andy Roddick Golden Bucket Award because he played a match. And others before him have done it too. So he's playing a match at Kalamazoo and he vomits. And he, but he just he keeps vomiting like every other, every third point. And they come out to clean it up and he, he still wins the match. Yeah. He gets through the whole match. So, so he has that fight, got that spirit. So, um, but that, this, this started off, Jimmy just brings the net and Jimmy used to take his index finger and point like this. Mm-hmm. So he tells young Roddick, who at that time is an established pro. He's he's young to Jimmy, but he's not young to being a world-class tennis player. He's been the number one player in America for a long time. So Jimmy just waves his finger, and he takes his lessons from Seguro and Gonzalez, um, Pancho and Pancho, and he says, kid, he's calling him kid. Kid, the only way this is going to work is all I'm going to do is give you, you have to... Stuff. Stuff. I'm going to give you stuff, okay? Yeah. I won't say S-H-I-T. So he's just going to give you stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, you're, I'm just going to give you stuff, and you're going to take my stuff, and you're not going to give me any stuff. Yeah. Do you understand? When his finger out. <laughs> so Andy Roddick, obviously he's a multimillionaire at this time. He kind of looks at him, and he, then he walks back, and he looks at the older, older brother, and it kind of looked like, who is this guy? Yeah. And John Roddick gives him the gears, just a quick glance, like, you know, just shut up and do it. Yeah. Just do what he tells you. Yeah. So kind of, you know, just trying to break him down. And, till, and then Roddick vomits. He goes over and vomits. And and Connors just goes, get in the other corner. So he doesn't even give him a chance to rinse his mouth out. You know, yeah. Go in the other corner. And he just grinds him and grinds him and grinds him and grinds him. And uh, so then he uh, <laughs> says, uh, yeah, that's good for you today. And so... Um, and then Andy Roddick goes into the locker room and then and, and Jimmy says to John Roddick, I think this is going to work. <laughs> but, but what makes me think about that is that Connors, that's how he played tennis. But, you know, he could put the ball on the dime. He's so deep. Mm-hmm. And that's really how singles is played. You hit the ball deep, you make your approach out, and then you go to the net and you do the math. Yeah. And you win two out of three. It's not that complicated. Yeah. But Jimmy with his toss way over his head, 
I used to do a great imitation of serve. I actually yeah. imitated Jimmy serve for Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. But with uh, um, Connors, he won Wimbledon. He won the U.S. Open playing doubles in the Stasi. People don't know tennis history. One time, Robbie Seguzo, there was a, it was in Dusseldorf. There's a, pretty sure. Tell me, this not, is all this is tying together pretty well the, here the, in the end. Here. This is uh, the team tournament was in Dusseldorf, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. at the Rojas Club, which is right near my house. There. So Robbie yeah. Seguzo, he's there with Ken Flack. He's good enough to be on the team, and he's playing doubles. And you gotta love Robbie Seguzo. So Connors is there. He's part of the team, and uh, Jimmy is starting. He's starting to tell Robbie some things that he should do in doubles. But at that time, Connors, because there's so much money in tennis, he had to quit playing doubles. And Seguzo, you know, I, I've known Robbie since he was 10, so people kind of shocked when they said, Robbie Seguzo, Just Robert. keep telling the story, Stephen. So Robbie <laughs> turns to Connors and says, what do you know about doubles? What do you know about doubles? I'll end by saying this. I was one, on, one time on the court with Vic Braden. He's teaching his son, Sean. And Sean says to him, what do you know about tennis? <laughs> so it's kind of like the kid who tells the yeah, mom, yeah. the mom who doesn't play tennis tells the kid, yeah. especially the boy, I think you should tie your shoes. And then the kid looks at the mother and goes, what do you know about tennis? <laughs> yeah. But I think we could wrap it up. Uh, Boca, what an amazing place. Yeah, it was a fun little quick talk. We talked quite a bit. Um, we need to go upward and, and forward with... Uh, the, uh, the great base. I hope you got something out of our chit chat. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun experiences. A few little gems in there. All right, everybody. Why don't you give us a line from a movie, Fitzel, right on the spot? Can you think on your feet, Fitzel? Well, this was a recent, and I'll just, it's actually there's a little bit of a song to it. We'll see if somebody out there can get it. If you do, send me a direct message, and I'll give you verbal praise. You ready? When Cameron was in Egypt's land, let my Cameron go. He'll keep calling, he'll keep calling. I'll go, I'll go. There you go. So if you know what I was doing there, give me a, send me a direct message. So no answer. I'm not going to tell you what the line was. I got to get it. And if you got it, you got it. And if you didn't, then, you know, you're not up on your 80s pop culture. There's, thought, my, there's my hint, John Hughes. I thought it was Clint Eastwood when he was on Gunsmoke. Oh, man. You're so young. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, if you made it through that, appreciate it. Find us uh, online at Great Base Tennis. And hope for, hopefully we're helping you out with your tennis game a little bit and your life. That's what it's all about, right? Tennis is life. Life is tennis. Are you the first person to say that? I'm going deep right now. We're getting philosophical. Yeah, that reminds me of going back to Klassen where uh, Taylor Fritz asked, he's playing world team tennis with him. Mm -hmm. Fritz's uh, father or mother, both big time tennis backgrounds, had asked Raven, so reprimanding Raven, he, he, was, he goes, well, I don't have time to, to coach Fritz. It only takes a couple minutes to give somebody some advice. Yeah, put your grip like this, swing like this. It's like disco tennis. Disco here and disco, disco there. there. Why you shout out Fitz? All right, disco fans. Yep, that's all for this episode. Thanks again. We'll catch you in the next one. Adios. Avita Zane. Choose. <laughs>